Have you ever had like a, a job or a hobby that you first, you absolutely loved it, but then later on you ended up hating it? Or maybe it was a location that you lived in. It could be a city. Maybe it was a, a particular apartment or house that you're in that first you're like, oh man, this is so great. And then later on you despise it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That something that was sort of a love-hate relationship? I bring all this up because today we're continuing our series called Letters. And if you haven't noticed it yet, Paul sort of has this almost hatred of the law. And it's just so weird because, you know, Paul had grown up with the law. Paul at one point says that, you know, nobody followed the law better than I did. So he, he loved it. And now it, it doesn't it seem like he's hating it? I mean, if you've been with us throughout this, this series, he's had some pretty strong language about the law. And in Galatians 3, he basically says this. He says, look, if you're trying to please God because you're following the law, you are under a curse. Later on in Galatians 3, he, he's, he's again, he's talking about the law. And he equates it and he says, if you are trying to follow the law in order to please God, you don't have true faith. And then in Galatians 5, which we'll actually look at here uh, next week, he, he goes actually as far as he's going to go with this. He says, look, you guys that are preaching the law, preaching that guys, the Gentiles have to be circumcised in order to be true followers of God. He's like, look, if that's what you're doing, I wish you'd just take that knife and slip it down a couple inches more and just cut the whole thing off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah some of you are like, oh, <laughs> I mean, that, that's what Paul's saying. He's like, I, I just wish you cut the whole thing off because you know what that would do then is it would make sure that you're not reproducing children that are going to keep believing this foolish teaching that you're on. So Paul is pretty serious about this. And again, it's like, wait, he went from loving to, to hating. And he's made this convincing argument as we've looked at throughout this series that faith is in Jesus and Jesus alone. And it's only Jesus that can save us, that the law has absolutely nothing to do with any of that. But then that brings up a great question. What's the purpose of the law then? Why exactly do we have the law? Because Paul has been going on and on and on and it's faith in Jesus alone. We looked at last week, he was talking about Abraham. He said, look, Abraham believed the promise of God that through his child, that one day all the nations of the earth would be blessed. He believed that. He had faith in that, even though he was old and his wife was old and they didn't have any children. And biologically, they shouldn't have been able to have any children. But yet he still believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, he was now made right with God. And, and Paul's point last week was this. That was 430 years before the law even was given to Moses. So if Abraham was justified by faith, what makes us think that we're not justified simply through faith? And really his point was, in the Old Testament times, they were looking forward to the coming Messiah. In faith, they were saying, He will come and save us from our sin. We Today, we look backward to the time of Jesus and we say, okay, Jesus was that promised Messiah. Jesus is the one that came to forgive us of our sin. And so, again, Paul has made this huge, huge emphasis on faith and faith alone in Jesus. So what's the law about? What is the purpose of the law? Why do we even have the law? 
That's what Paul's going to address next. So if you've got a Bible this morning, you want to turn to Galatians chapter 3, we're going to begin with verse 21. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. All the scriptures will be on the screen there behind me. They're also there in the program that you received when you came in, or maybe you're going to pull out your smartphone, go to exponential.church, and the digital bulletin is there, and you can follow along with all the scriptures and the fill in the blanks. You can actually do it right there on your phone. When, when you're done, you hit the little send button, and it emails it right to your email address. So um, again, Galatians 3.21 is where we'll be at this morning or at least to start. Paul says this, Is there a conflict then between God's law given to Moses and God's promises for today? Now, this is a great question because remember it was God who had given Moses the law. So the law was God's idea. And so Paul says, look, is, is there a conflict between faith and, and between the law? Not only in that day and time, but even for us here today, and not only just spiritual laws, but even just laws in general, like that we have in our state, in our city, in our nation. Is there a conflict between those things? Do laws have value? Should we even have laws at all? I mean, if you've been with us throughout the series, it would appear that Paul's saying, no, the law is bad. You shouldn't have any laws at all. But I mean, if you start to really think about this, parents, don't you lay down the law with your kids? At least you try. <laughs> Don't lie. Eat your vegetables. Be home on time. Stop hitting your sister. And you tell them to do that whether they feel like doing it or not. Isn't that you demanding that they follow the law? Is Paul really saying that that's a bad thing? Again, it would appear throughout this series that he's saying, that's bad. Or even think about, like in my role, don't I tell you a lot of times, read your Bible. You need to pray, you need to give, you need to serve. Isn't that me basically giving you law? Is Paul really saying that I'm doing a bad thing by encouraging you to, to do that? So what, what is the purpose of the law? Why do we do these things? And, and why should we do it, you know, whether we, we feel like it or not? Is Paul saying that we should reject this kind of talk, or what's the deal? Here's another way to think about it. I want you to imagine that today, after we're done here this morning, I go out into the cafe and I'm greeting people as I normally do, and a, a married guy from here at Exponential comes up to me and says, Gilbert, this week I was up at the Colonial Park Mall and a beautiful woman came walking by, and let's just say that her clothing was leaving nothing to the imagination. And so it, it sort of caught my eye, but then I locked eyes with her, and I could tell that she was sort of flirting with me. And Gilbert, in that moment, I knew that as a man of God, somebody that needs to have a righteous heart that is full of, of purity and is full of faithfulness, I knew in that moment the right thing to do, that I needed to just keep right on walking. But Gilbert, I'll be honest, in that moment, that's not where my heart was at. I knew God's command was to not commit adultery, and that even if I look at a woman lustfully, that that's already committing adultery. I knew that it, that was his command, but I didn't feel like it in the moment. I didn't feel like it. And then it hit me. 
wait a second. Paul has been saying throughout this series that you've been preaching, Gilbert, that we shouldn't follow law. And so, you know, I figured, why force myself to, to follow the law? I didn't want to be a Galatian heretic. And so I approached the woman then, and I got her number. And then I went home, and I believed the gospel for forgiveness. Now, do you really think at that moment I'm going to go, wow, that is awesome. You've been following this series. You've been listening. You're applying what I'm saying. Is that what I'm going to say? No. But yet, in that moment, if that guy forced himself to follow the law, doesn't that mean he's living by the law instead of by faith? You see the, the dilemma here? What is the purpose of the law? Why do we have God's commands? Why are his rules here for us? We know if you're asking that question, that's a good thing because it means you're actually starting to understand the gospel now. Because you're at the place now that, that you're going, wait a second, it is by faith in Jesus, in Jesus alone, that I'm made right with God. And you're starting to wonder, well, does that mean I just then live life however I want to? Do I, I just, no matter how I feel, that, that's how I'm going to now act? And again, that means you're, you're starting to really understand this whole thing of how great His grace is, but yet you're wrestling with, but wait a second, there is still law. Even if we're talking about doing away with the Old Testament law and the Old Covenant, there's still commands in the, in the New Testament. And you're starting to wonder, well, how, how do we balance those things out? What, what is that really all about? Again, the question is, is, is Paul saying that all that stuff is bad? That by asking the guy in my hypothetical scenario that to, to follow the law, is that forcing him to do something that God wouldn't want him to do. Again, that we just live life however do we want? Or is there a greater purpose? Well, instead of me talking about this, let's let Paul talk about it. Because Paul, throughout his letters, he had to address this numerous times because, again, people were starting to understand just how awesome God's grace is. And that we are saved, we are forgiven of our sins simply through Jesus and Jesus alone. But he had to go back over and over and over again and address, okay, here is the purpose. Here is the reason for the law. So skip back a couple verses to verse 19. He says, why then was the law given? He says, it was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. And then skip back down. We're going to read verse 21 again and then verse 22. A little bit fuller context now. Paul says, Is there a conflict then between God's law given to Moses and God's promises for today? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the Scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. So again, there he's talking about faith in Jesus and Jesus alone that the law enslaves us. Verses 24 and 25, he lays out the clear purpose of the law. Look at this. The law was our what? The law was our guardian 
until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now the key word there is guardian. And in the original Greek, that is the uh, word paedagogus. And a paedagogus was a tutor, a teacher, and an escort. And basically what happened was both in Greek and Roman cultures, a paedagogus was a person, and usually it was a slave, that a family had that was entrusted with raising up the children. A paedagogus was there to protect your child, to instruct your child, to help lead your child, to protect them in any way that they possibly could, to be sort of an escort until the time that in, in Jewish culture that, you know, uh, the bar mitzvah, that they became a man. So this, this was your guide to get you to maturity. The pedagogus. And that's what Paul is saying the law was. The law was placed there in order to get us to a place of maturity until we could be out on our own. The law, the, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant was needed till that time of Jesus. But now that He has come, salvation comes through Jesus and Jesus alone. We don't need the law any longer for that. We are now God's children. However, again, the law still remains. Now we've talked about before those 613 commands in the Old Testament that were given specifically to the nation of Israel. Most of those were just for the people of Israel. The, the Ten Commandments, they are universal. But yet again, we have these things here in the New Testament, laws and commands that God gives through Peter and James and John and Paul, even himself that is giving law that we're to live by. So what exactly is the purpose? Because it's not to save you. What is the purpose of the law today? How is the law still a pedagogus for you and I? Well, I believe there's three ways. If you're taking notes, the first one is this. The law is a guardrail for my life. Again, the law is a guardrail for my life. How many of you have ever been to uh, Mount Washington in New Hampshire? Anybody ever done that? My, oh, oh, wow, okay. A number of you have done that. Uh, I'll be I'll perfectly honest. I'm not afraid of heights, but this drive did freak me out just a little bit. For those of you that aren't familiar with it, here's the sign at the bottom before you actually drive up to the top. Look at this. Attention! The Mount Washington Auto Road is a steep, narrow mountain road without guardrails. If you have a fear of heights, you may not appreciate this driving experience. <laughs> Guided tours are available. <laughs> so that's at the bottom. They warn you before you even do this. Here's a couple pictures of what it actually looks like as you're, uh, as you're going up. Now, you notice some of them are paved roads. There's actually a stretch that's a mile long that's just like this gravel road and stuff. And notice that there are no... Guardrails. They warned you at the bottom, there are no guardrails. If you drive over the edge, there will be deadly consequences. Why they've never put up guardrails, I have no idea, but there it is. <laughs> and what Paul and others are going to say to us is, look, the law is like a guardrail for your life. The law doesn't stop you from sinning. But the, the, the law is sort of a guardrail to keep the impact of your sin from being even greater than what it may have been. 
See, oftentimes our hearts want to sin against God. Our hearts want to drift off course, and we do. But because there is the presence of the law, there's still that, that part of us that, that acknowledges that and realizes, like in the, the guy in our example, that, okay, look, uh, I shouldn't commit adultery, right? Now, he still went up and got that woman's phone number, right? So that, that's wrong. But there, there, there's still that, that part, there, there's this guardrail that's sort of there protecting. Again, back to the illustration of the man at the mall. The root problem that he has is lust. The law will not change his heart. The law is simply going to keep him from inflicting more damage in his life than what could be. So like with the road here, right? there's no guardrail and you drive over the edge, you're dead. That's major consequence. If they ever put guardrails up and you run into the guardrail, how many of you know there's still going to be a dent in your car? There's still damage that's done. But not as bad as if there's no guardrail. Is this making sense? This is one of the purposes of the law, to be a guardrail in your life to keep you from even greater damage. So again, back to the, the guy in the illustration that I'm, I'm using. The law doesn't change his heart. It doesn't change the lust in his heart. But it does help him to realize that, wait a second, I can't keep pursuing this because it's going to hurt this woman. It's going to hurt my wife. It's going to hurt my kids. It's going to hurt my relationship with God. So the law keeps you on course. Number two then. The law acts as a mirror in my life. You see, the law reflects back the true condition of our hearts. Every single command that God gives has your very best interest at heart. But as we start to, to look in to God's word, as we start to look into the law, it's like this, this mirror that reflects back. And it's showing me that, okay, this is what purity looks like. This is what honesty looks like. This is what truly loving other people should look like. This is what loving God and trusting God, having faith in God, this is what it should look like. So that's what it's, it's supposed to reflect back to me. But as I look into it, the reflection I get back actually reveals to me just how sinful I really am. The law wasn't given so that we could perfectly obey it because none of us can do that. The law was given to reveal to you just how simple you are. I don't know about you guys, but the more I read the Bible, the more I realize, uh-oh, by myself, I'm in trouble. And that's why this, this good news that God himself came to the earth in the form of Jesus and lived a perfect and sinless life and died on the cross. He shed his blood for our forgiveness. That's why this is such good news because this book reflects back to me the true condition of my heart, how sinful I really am. Now, like I said in the, the last point, the law, it won't change you. It won't change your heart. You can force yourself to sort of obey the law. You can force yourself to do that, but your heart still isn't changed. I'll give you an example. You guys could say to me, Gilbert, we are commanding you to love Penn State right now. And you could command that until you're Penn State blue in the face. 
here's the thing. I could say, you know what, I'm actually going to force myself to wear Penn State paraphernalia every single week. Here's the deal, though. It doesn't change my heart. My hatred <laughs> for your beloved school would still be there. Hey, how about that Maryland score yesterday? Uh, yeah, 79 to nothing. It was against Howard, so I mean, (laughs) let's not get too excited, Gilbert. Uh, Anyway, but uh, so so again, uh, having something commanded to you doesn't change your heart. Forcing yourself to follow those commands it doesn't change your heart. On the flip side, if you truly love something, you don't need to be commanded to to do something. So you could say, Gilbert, we command you to eat that rack of ribs and an all-you-can-eat seafood buffet. All right, (laughs) please don't command that I have to take a nap then afterwards. (laughs) That would be horrible, right? So, So when you already love something, you don't need a command for it. And Martin Luther, the great reformer, the guy that we talked about at the beginning of this series, he said, this is the great dilemma as followers of Jesus. Because you can't be commanded to do the things that you hate because it doesn't change your heart. And the things that you already love, you didn't need a command for that because you're going to do it anyway. Does that make sense? So the, the law is this, it's a mirror. It reflects back to us how sinful we are. And it shows us how little we can do to change ourselves. Think of it this way. There's a huge difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. A thermometer gives you the temperature. A thermostat can actually change the temperature. So think of it like this. The law is a thermometer. It reveals your spiritual temperature. It's the gospel then that can actually change your heart and change your spiritual temperature. So one reveals who you are, the other changes who you are. And that's what Paul's been talking about here throughout this uh, series. He's he's really put a a huge emphasis on the thermostat part of it, that it's the gospel, the good news of Jesus that can change your life, change your heart, give you salvation. Take care, as we talked about last week, not only the the penalty for your sin, but the, the power that sin has over you as well. The law will not change you. If you don't believe me, let me give you another illustration. Look at, take a look at this picture, and this may be hard to see. This is Pennsylvania State Code 3362. You may not be able to see the very top there, but it says maximum speed limits. This is our Pennsylvania law about the speed limit. That's the law. Many of you, probably myself included if I'm being honest, did not obey this law on the way to church this morning. It's not even that it's Monday through Saturday. It was Sunday for crying out loud, and we were breaking the law. Even though we have the law, there it is. You can read it if you want to. But just reading that is not going to change your heart. Here's the crazy thing. Some of you have even gotten caught for breaking the law, and you paid very large fines. However, 
probably within the, even the first 24 hours after getting caught and paying a large fine, you are back to breaking the law again. <laughs> Why? Because the law doesn't change your heart. It just reveals to you, and in this case to me with this one, just how bad we really are. That's what this book is doing. That's what God's law is doing. It's a mirror that reflects your true life. Number three, the law serves me as a guide. As we've been learning, the law doesn't save anyone, but once you are saved, now the law can act as a roadmap of how to please God and how to become more and more like Jesus. Think of it this way. The, the law is like railroad tracks. All of a sudden, Bruce just woke up. He's like, hey, uh, <laughs> railroad, okay. He's like got his camera out. He's like ready to take a picture, right? <laughs> the, the law is like railroad tracks, Bruce. The, the, the law points us the way we should go. But here's the thing, and, and for those of you who don't know, Bruce, uh, he works for the railroad, and I, I never can remember. You're the, uh, you're the engineer? Yeah, so he's the engineer. He's, he's the guy that makes things happen, right? Here, here's the thing, and I'll, I'll ask Bruce. We're, Bruce and I are just having a personal conversation right now. <laughs> Bruce, those tracks by themselves, just by themselves, those tracks, do they get people anywhere? Just by themselves, the tracks. No. They can get you somewhere, but they themselves don't get you anywhere. It's the locomotive that you put on the tracks that now gets you the power to get people somewhere. The law is the railroad tracks. The gospel is the locomotive. Does that make sense? The law serves as a guide of here's where you can go. Here's where you should go. God's laws are, are not burdensome. God's laws will always point us in the absolute best place we could possibly go. But those tracks by themselves don't get people anywhere. The law by itself doesn't get people anywhere. Only the gospel message of Jesus, only that will get us where we need to go. That gives us the power to get there. So, there was a great theologian, and I just found out that he, he recently passed away about a, a year or so ago. His name's R.C. Sproul. And he had this great quote that I love. He said, the law drives us in desperation to grace, but an experience of grace drives us in devotion back to the law. Let me read that again. Really think about what he's saying here. The law that we can't follow, right? The law drives us in desperation because Jesus, I, I can't save myself. It drives us in desperation to his grace. But then once we've had the experience of grace, that should now drive us back in devotion to the law. Or as another famous theologian, Gil Hubbard Thurston said, you had to be here last week in order to understand it. <laughs> Nobody told me that last week. I don't understand why. Anyway, here's something I often say, that we don't obey God in order to be saved. 
we obey God out of gratitude that we are saved. One says, here's what I need to do in order to be right with God. The other says, here's what's already been done for me. You can never do enough. You can never be good enough. And so we don't follow God's laws. We don't follow his commands because we're trying to be saved. We do it out of gratitude that Jesus, you died for me. Thank you. And I understand that that your law is like a, a railroad track that if I just get on track with you, and your gospel now will propel me forward into the life that not only you want me to live, but the life that I've always, I've always wanted for myself. His laws are not burdensome. They'll always point us in the right way. So back to our merry guy at the, the mall. When tempted, what he should say is this, God, I I know I should love purity and I know I should love faithfulness more than I desire this woman right now. But God, honestly, I I don't. And the the lust that's in me, it reveals just how sinful I am and how much I need you. And so I'm going to obey your law right now. I'm going to force myself not to act on this impulse because I know how much it would hurt my family and hurt this woman and hurt my relationship with you. And so I'm going to trust you and and your spirit to change my heart so in the future I'll love purity more than I have a desire to lust after this woman. That's what he should say. Or a shortened version that could really apply for anything is, God, I'm going to do the right thing right now even though my heart wants to do the wrong thing and I'm going to trust you to change my heart so in the future I obey because I want to, not because I have to. So when you find yourself in a tempting situation, whatever it is, God, I'm going to force myself right now to obey your commands. Not because that's what my heart really wants to do. But again, it's revealing just how wicked my heart is and Jesus, how much I need you. So I'm going to obey. But please change my heart so I don't have to keep facing this any longer help me get to the place where i want to follow your commands not that i have to follow your commands paul continues on in galatians 4 1 to 3 by saying think of it this way if a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up and even though they even though they actually own everything that their father had They have to obey their gardens until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it is with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. Paul's saying, look, children are just like slaves, that they are forced to do certain things. But there's no freedom in that. None of us want to live a life where we're constantly being forced and enslaved. Yet that's what Paul says that the law does. It just enslaves you. He continues on then in verses 4 and 5. But when the time was right, God sent his son, and a woman gave birth to him. His son obeyed the law so that he could set us free from the law, and we could become God's adopted children. 
God wanted us to be his children so badly that he himself came and he bought us out of the, the orphanage that we were in where sin was our mother and, and Satan was our father. And he said, I, I love these people so much. And, and right now they're, they're living as, as children, they're living as slaves, but I don't want them to be there anymore. So I'll pay the ultimate price. I'll give up my very own life so that I can welcome them into my children as, as my, or into my family as my adopted children. Paul continues on then in verse 6, and he says, Now that we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, and the Spirit cries out, Abba, Father, which means Daddy God. Many of you know my, my parents, they uh, are out of town this weekend. They're usually here. And I'll just be honest with you, when I was growing up as a, as a young boy, I loved my mom, and I didn't really care too much for my dad. You know the reason why? Mom was the softy, dad had all the rules. And I didn't like the rules. Dad often forced me to follow his rules. If not, there was going to be consequences. And I hated that. But then as I got older, I started to look more and more like him and talk more and more like him and think more and more like him. I began to not just understand why he had given those rules. I actually started to appreciate those rules. All of a sudden, I, I came to the conclusion that, you know what? My father gave me all those rules, not because he hated me, but because he loved me so much that he wanted only what was absolutely best for me. And his goal was not to have me live in his household the rest of my life. He wanted me out. And so he had set some rules to help me to learn how to become mature. How to, to get out on my own and be a responsible adult. And really his goal was, you know what? Help Gilbert to understand these rules and appreciate these rules so much that when he's out on his own and he's not there that, that I can force him to do things anymore, that he'll actually start to want to do those things and live his life that way. Not that it was forced on him. And guess what? I'm so appreciative of my dad. Oh, I wasn't always happy as a kid. But looking back now, I'm so, so happy that he did that. And what Paul is saying is, you and I, we are God's adopted children. And he treats us as his own. That we can call him Abba, Daddy. Not even father. Your father is who biologically created you. But daddy, that's an intimate term. This is somebody that loves you. This is somebody that, that cares for you. Paul says, now we, we can cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. And we can look at his, his word, his commands, and realize that 
wait a second. He's not trying to be some big Grinch in the sky. He's not trying to control my life. He has a better plan for my life. He wants me to, to grow to maturity, to become more like Him. And He knows more than what I know. And He can see the future. And so I'm going to start to follow His commands, not because I have to, because I want to. Because I know that it's a guide that will get me to the, the best place that I need to be. I'll wrap up today then with verse 7. We sang this earlier. So you are no longer slaves. You. You. Each of you. You're a child of God. And since you're now his child, you're an heir to all that he has promised. As we pray, let that sink in. Join me in prayer. Father, Abba, Daddy God, we thank you so much that you loved us enough to, to come and, and to die in our place to, to get us out of that slavery that we are in to sin, to welcome us into your family, into your household. And we didn't deserve that. We were just poor orphans sinful orphans no value to ourselves but yet you saw immense value in us and you said I want him I want her to be a part of my family and so you did for us what we can't do for ourselves you you came and you lived a perfect and sinless life and you died on the cross so that our sins may be forgiven that has nothing to do with the law has everything to do with you. And Lord, we thank you that, that you give us your law, you give us your word, because it is a, a guardrail that's there to protect us. It, it is going to be a, a guide for the way that we need to go, and it is that mirror that reflects back to us every single day how much we need you. We don't just need you on the day that we get saved and for salvation. We need you desperately every single day. But Lord, our hearts are often wicked, and our hearts want what we want. And so, Lord, I pray that in those, those moments where we're tempted, that we would force ourselves, force ourselves to obey your word, to obey your commands, to obey your law in those moments. But then help us to realize that, wow, that, that just shows me how much I need Jesus and how much I need him to, to continue to have his spirit transform me and change me more and more into his image and likeness. Lord, we can't be saved on our own. We can't change our hearts on our own. Only you can do that. But yet, you're not going to force us to change our hearts. It's something we have got to want. So Lord, I pray that we would just continue to be obedient to the voice of your Spirit. Be obedient. Because you've got a better plan for our lives than what we have for our own lives. Change us, transform us, make us more and more into your image.
so that then we can take the good news and the, the, the change that we've had, we can take that good news to, to more and more people in our neighborhoods and in our schools and in our office, wherever we may go. And people would be able to look at us and go, there's something different about you, what is it? And we would say, not about me, it's all about Jesus who's in me. And yielding to him and his word and his commands. Jesus, again, we can't thank you enough for who you are and all that you've done for us and that you're going to continue to do. And I pray all these things in your great and holy name. Amen.